This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to the Out of Spec Podcast. As if we don't talk about cars enough through all of our platforms, YouTube, etc., we decided to build a podcast platform to add to the mix. So join us as we talk about more cars. I have with me Mike Breeling, and his Twitter is at M underscore Breeling. And then I have Ben Spreen, whose Twitter is Benji underscore OOS. And then, of course, we have Kyle Connor, whose Twitter is... It's Kyle Connor. Welcome to the show. Let's dive right in and find out what have we all been driving recently, because I'm sure there's a number of vehicles between the four of us. Yeah, well, this is pretty exciting. Um, ben and Mike, let's start with you guys, because you have a fleet of cars that's arguably uh, like the perfect three-car solution. Yeah, one could argue that. Uh, what do you want them in order of uh, longest time time owned, or or uh, we could go? Yeah, order uh, in longest time owned works pretty well. So the old got the oldest car in our fleet uh, as far as time with us is my 2019 Model Three Performance, which is no, they say that loud, not terribly old, but that's kind of what we're working with. We tend to get bored, I guess, easily. Automotive ADHD. And then the next newest is actually. Uh, it's my Audi 2021 Audi e-tron. So premium, this entry-level model. So mm -hmm. base spec. Yes, it is. We'll talk about base. that deal in a bit because you well, got... Yeah, we have to because it doesn't yeah. matter what the spec is. <laughs> yeah, and for those who don't know, we're watching. This is like the core team of out of spec plus time in. Uh, you know, th these guys have been a part of it for a long time, especially Ben and um, uh, of all of out of spec. And now that it's growing, we're like, hey, let's do a podcast. But you guys have one extra car and it is truly an extra car. It's really cool. And you recently put like a straight pipe on it of some kind. Most of a straight pipe. Yeah. I picked up a 2013 911 Carrera. Um, 
it's based 3.4 liter, but it's got Sport Chrono and Bose and like premium package, kind of the, the important stuff. And uh, I've, I don't know, I didn't even have like my final plate and I think I had already ordered an exhaust for it to make it loud. And it sounds like a race car now. Like And 991.1 and you have, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the car yet. I wanted to come over tonight and see it, but I didn't feel like driving to Raleigh from Wilmington. I'm traveling this week. Uh, so sorry to not see you guys, but you have I put the new painted... tires on it just for you. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, we'll talk about that. But you have a painted one of the coolest options is a painted roof, but it's also a sunroof, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the um, if you order a Porsche, you can order like the sunroof in glass or sunroof in body color. So it is just like instead of a piece of glass up there, it's a piece of metal painted the color of the car. So it looks like it's a you know a slick top coupe until you hit a button and it opens up kind of a cool idea actually I'm, i thought it was dumb and i'm like why would anyone want that now that i have it i'm like oh i kind of i kind of get it now actually it's nice you don't get so, the sun there or anything real quick when i drove that car to work and had the sunroof when i opened it when i was leaving i <laughs> literally stunned like three of my co-workers who were like i had no idea that car had a sunroof on it i thought it was just a solid top car i, I had no idea you could even order one that way yeah, yeah, so do you have the notches? Wait, can you put a roof rack on it, though? I can. That's the most important part about it. So you get the look of a slick top, but then the benefits of a roof rack. And of a, a sunroof, too. Other than the light. There I mean, you, you open it up. It's Alcantara on the inside, so you can't actually see out of it. Is it padded Alcantara? Welcome to it the Out of Spec it, podcast. It's, it's soft touch. <laughs> This is the, we get to the details here. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about the soft touch dash. Real quick. <laughs> Jordan, you have had some, we all review cars. Jordan, you've had some media vehicles recently uh, while I've been away. Maybe. What have you been driving recently? I've been taking one for the team. I've been driving an Infinity. Um, I made sure oh. to have it while you were gone. <laughs> I'm really um, sorry. Although it is the QX55, so brand new to the lineup. And they're very confusing numbered lineup, um, not to be confused with the QX56, which was a while back and now is the QX80. Uh, This is the QX55, which actually looks phenomenal. Um, The phenomenal ends about there, but it looks so good. um, Is this like the X3 size Infinity now, or is this? Yeah, yeah. It's. uh, Let's see. It's the exact length of my friend's Subaru Outback. That's a really obscure spec. Oh, it's um, pretty long hmm. then. Yeah, it's it's a decent yeah. size. Good. Is Actually, it like an FX or an EX? Or did they even have an EX? I don't know if they have EX. <laughs> this is the EX. problem with it. There was, right? It was the longer yes. Well, it was, like, it was like a G sedan that was bloated and on stilts. Right. And is it this a like really a GLA? No, 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 that was the QX30. It's interesting. So this is like (laughs) this is like Audi SQ5 Sportback, except Infinity, and not sporty at all. But it looks sporty. So it's all about the looks. Um, It actually so QX50. It's the same exact car, just with a slope back roof instead of a more functional squared. um, Oh, so it's the coupe SUV version Mm, of the QX50. Fun yep. story about the QX50. When they did the media launch for this car last year, or maybe it was earlier this year, uh, in markets where there were a lot of journalists, Miami, New York, Detroit, LA, they had trailers towed behind Infinity QX80s. And these trailers would roll up to a journalist's house and 
and you guys know when a car when a car gets dropped off for media loan it's usually one of the drivers that we know it's like hey thanks so much we'll see you next week they would roll up on this trailer make you come outside lower the rear of the trailer and then it was like music and lights and qx50 <laughs> and i was like wow that is like the most creative way of doing things obviously some journalists thought it was silly i kind of think it's silly but when you couldn't do media launches at least infinity started to get a little creative in their pr department which is pretty interesting which we can't say now because jordan you and i both got this email when that car was dropped off to you in the email that's like oh, oh. we're so excited you're driving the qx 50 uh 55 they're like it has a cvt transmission they're so <laughs> proud of that cvt and it is it is one of the major downsides of this car but you know at least it looks good so there you go yeah so so tell me tell me the positives of the qx55 if i was an infinity salesman how would i sell this car over an x3 wow good luck um <laughs> no, I, well, I, I, infinity you know infinity came out with these cool cars about seven years ago and i love them and they haven't really been updated in seven years and so this was a very refreshing looker and i am very much someone who would buy a car because it looks good um and then i you know somewhere else in my lineup would have a car that actually drives good but i love I love like I'm the one who will do visually aesthetic mods over performance and then I'll do performance at some point. Um, the infinity, I, then, I don't know. They, they're doing slow, gradual updates. The interior looks a little better than before until you fire up the infotainment system. And it's like the same thing as it was in 2014. Um, oh God, it really they still have two different screen, three different screens, I guess. So that's yeah. a bit oh, so it's got like the QX or the Q60 red sport that we had. Uh, yeah, identical infotainment to the Q60. No, and Q50. seriously. Yeah. So I was that's, just going to say, I was insane. looking at a photo. I just had to Google it. I didn't that's believe a major it. downside. Yeah, Jordan, because, can you pull up a picture of this car so we can yeah, see it? Yeah, let me find it here. Um, because it, I don't know, it, the infotainment experience doesn't match <laughs> what is happening on the exterior. Like, you know, here's oh, it looks the great. It looks phenomenal. Was it in that color? Yeah, this is the color I had. This is the interior. Monaco red interior with slate gray exterior. Gorgeous, gorgeous car. And they finally have jumped into the realm of other luxury segments, which means wireless Apple CarPlay and cool ventilated and heated seats, um, which for some reason a lot of Infinities have lacked for a while. But it looks super good, but the infotainment looks like straight out of 2014. The rear view camera is about Nintendo GameCube graphics. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, I, I want to ask a question on that camera now, because I've noticed this with some <laughs> brands that are kind of like in the infinity pricing, kind of like they, they're trying to have a feature, but the feature's not always good. Mm -hmm. Is it one of those cameras that when it's up, you can tell that the graphics, like the lead lines or any buttons that are in the camera view are like rendered by the camera and not by this car's user interface? You know what I mean? No, yeah, I know what you mean. This is actually interface, but it doesn't oh, really. Wow. It, it is. Uh, I don't know. It's just sad to use the interface and the camera and any of that. Like the only way to really enjoy using this car is to turn on wireless Apple CarPlay on the upper screen, turn off the lower screen altogether, 
and then enjoy your ride. So <laughs> you have to designate which screen you have to use. It's fantastic. But boy, did it look good, and I got a lot of looks. So that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say that that's the impressive part of that car. It, it is like if you live in an urban area, like a metro city, you cruise around in that thing. You could probably lease it for two ninety nine, three ninety nine a month, yeah. whatever it is. You do seventy five hundred miles a year. Yeah, there's you your sales pitch. You, you, you play on value. You go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's the, the traditionally you only buy an Infinity because you couldn't afford the BMW, and now. You know, maybe there's a reason to get it. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, yeah, I think it looks did, better than the X3. They did a CVT, you know, which theoretically will squeeze out a little bit more fuel economy. And then they also have a variable compression turbo engine. So it'll oscillate between 8 to 1 and 14 to 1 compression to squeeze out a little more MPG. All that really? being said, it still only gets like low 20s. So, <laughs> you know. Hey, it's a lot of effort. It would have been like high 19s, <laughs> otherwise, maybe. Now, yeah, I'm maybe. wondering, just looking at that screen, that's the old Infinity Tech. Uh, Kyle, you had an Armada, and I thought that had a great-looking display in it. So why didn't they just take the Nissan parts bin thing and stick it in there? Right, Jordan, can you pull up a picture of the new Armada? Just do 20. We might actually have it on a gallery on our website on outofspecstudios.com. Uh, the new Armada had all of Nissan's newest, latest, and greatest. The infotainment itself was old school, but when you put Apple CarPlay on there, it was awesome uh, and worked great and had a banging sound system. Like, that thing was hot. The interior of this Infinity, though, looks to be about 10 years older. Also, I do have to rant while we're on Infinity. I don't want this to be the Let's Hate Infinity show, but the QX6 or the Q60 Red Sport and the Q... I don't even know the numbers, the sedan version that Q50. we had. Q50. Yeah. Q50. Q50, thank you. We're automotive journalists. We still can't figure out the Infinity lineup. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, okay, here, let us. me, uh, yeah, here's the, in, here's the interior of the Armada. You can see that big screen looks really yeah. good. Um, the Q50 that we had only had one level of seat heating, if I remember correctly. It was, oh, no, 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 one button that you had to then cycle through the different levels. Yes. That's what it was. I remember that. And, it was infuriating. Um, let's move on from Infinity, though, because I, I don't feel the need to bash them. Uh, I'd like to talk about some of the things I've been driving recently. Uh, Mustang Mach-E California Route 1 Edition. Yeah. This is big battery, rear-wheel drive, aero wheels. I had it for a month and a half. Drove it, I don't know, 5,000 miles or so. Um, shredded it up Angeles Forest and had some issues with it. Went into turtle mode, overheating. Um, which I thought was interesting very quickly. Same uh, you know, behavior I saw in the dual motor cars. So I wish they had a little bit better thermal management. I'm excited for dual motor Mach-E performance because I think that's going to be uh, having a secondary cooling loop and is going to be much better tuned for that. The next day, I drove the Mustang Mach-1. <laughs> I know this, you like that car. I loved this car yeah. very rarely. Do I walk away and go, that is a great way to spend $64,000. Like a great way. Wait, wait, wait. And it's 64 grand though? 64 grand. Oh, that's kind of a lot for us then. Yeah, but but it's, it's like GT350 levels of tech or yeah. a, and equipment. But with the Coyote motor that doesn't explode and it has <laughs> the, the Tremec transmission and not the MT82 mm -hmm. out of the GT. And the best part is no lift shift. You keep that skinny pedal pegged to the floor, clutch in, upshift, 
<laughs> so smooth, so smooth. There's a video on the Kyle Connor YouTube channel, which isn't necessarily related to Out of Spec, but I started my own for POV reviews because uh, these guys are doing other reviews. I wanted to touch on the same cars. And you can just watch this thing sliding around Angeles Crest and uh, yeah, mo moving around. It's very capable. Really cool car. I was floored. My brother has a GT350 from 2017. And just like it blew my mind that much power. Like he can hit 60 in first gear. And my Miata, you have to go to third. <laughs> I mean, right. Well, the gear is pretty tall on that, I guess. Then, yeah, it's sad to like compare those two cars, but like coming from that going into his GT350, I was just floored. I mean, you have the sounds, you have the cockpit style, those cool little buttons at the bottom of the center console that are like you know, like air, airplane old fighter jet switches. I love modern Mustang because it's it, like pays homage to the vintage style. And uh, then you have the Mach-E, which is kind of different. Uh, I am, like you said, I'm really excited for the GT to see that because I saw a GT performance at MPG when I was up there for the Lightning, and it looks so good. But I'm just wondering how it performs. Yeah, me too. We'll have to wait and see. I, either way, Mustang Mach One is like the celebration of American freedom in a car. Uh, just. You know, 305 section tires. I don't know if they are, but they're on Cup 2s from the factory with the with the handling pack. I mean, we're talking corner entry in the triple digits. Like, an unbelievable level of grip uh, on that car. It was definitely the fastest thing I've ever had up there. Not in straight line. You use wide open throttle all of the time. Um, but you can just stab the brakes really quick. They haul you down. That was impressive. Uh, right Actually, during when I had the Mach 1, I took it down to go drive the most interesting car I've ever driven, which is, and maybe not interesting in a good way, but it was interesting. It was the Karma GS-6L. Are you guys yeah, familiar I, with this? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jordan, so can you pull up a picture of the Karma GS-6? <laughs> yeah. I've been in an original, I've driven an original Karma, and you sent me photos of this. GS6, what is it, GS6L? GS-6L. Is it dash card. or high? Yeah. It, oh, well, I way. say dash because it's funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's the GS-6. No, that's the electric <laughs> one. This was the plug-in hybrid. Okay, okay, so it's like the Karma I drove a, a year or two ago. Uh, it looks very similar, obviously. I think that it's shared most of the car at this point, so. but uh, like, have you driven the car? Like, I want to know, like, if you get it, does it feel new or exciting? Well, I had it for a day and, you know, look, from a styling perspective, this thing is stunning. See if you can scroll down there, Jordan, see if we can find some other pictures of it. Yeah. Go, go through this gallery. Mine that I had was gray with the blackout pack and it was gorgeous. Um, and I thought, you know, this looks good. Now there's three different levels of this car. You can get the GS hyphen six, the GS, I think it sounds funnier with the dash, the GS dash six S, which is the fast one. and actually has more power or the GS dash six L, which is the luxury one. That's the one that I drove. And I'm trying to remember, but it was the most interesting drivetrain because it uses a BMW three cylinder turbocharged engine which is out of an i8 or a mini cooper and in this application it made 255 horsepower some ridiculous amount for a three-cylinder not as much as the i8's power output though 
Um, and then it had two electric motors, one on each wheel of the rear, so torque vectoring, but it wasn't, you know, really anything really amazing that I experienced. And then it had a 30 kilowatt hour battery pack, um, plus or minus, yeah, 28 kilowatt hour battery pack, 80 miles of EPA range, if I remember. So you can, in theory, drive this car fully electric, J1772, charge it back up, and it makes almost full power in electric mode, which is awesome. Uh, you can then CCS charge this car as well. And I think I got something like 35 or 37 kilowatts max, which isn't terrible. It's enough. Like if you're running into target and there's an EA station right there, like you just plug it in and walked in. I mean, we went from like 50% to 95% just doing regular target shopping. So that was kind of cool. And I wouldn't clog up an EA station, but if it's open, go right ahead. Um, what else should I tell you about this car? Kind of how it works was interesting. So for primarily there's three driving modes. One's pure electric. The next one is like a hold state of charge. So if you really give it the beans, it'll kick on the combustion engine to match what you were just outputting. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is sport mode. And I was so intrigued by this because here you have a turbocharged three cylinder, really high strung, lots of boost motor that starts up cold and then just goes, Nothing, full revs, full boost, back to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's this car's entire life in sport mode, which is foot down, whoop, and then shuts off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the Polestar uh, V60 a little bit. It, that yeah, but way more thing. aggressive on the engine oh, than God. the Volvo tuning. Like way what, more. Is it as aggressive as like the i3 with the range extender? Because that kind of would ramp up over the course of like maybe a minute or so. No, but this is, is this is open, foot down red line. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you do get a blue indication saying that the combustion engine's cold, but at no point did I see it limit revs or boost when it was cold. And you don't necessarily have control over what that engine's doing, so it's like, oh, the engine's cold, but because of in sport mode, it's just full revs anyway. So when it you give it the beans, that I know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I did like eight launch controls with this thing, maybe more, and it was really quite in. <laughs> oh i don't know <laughs> good luck with that i don't know it actually like i drove it really hard and it, at no point did it feel like it was gonna break i mean it felt solid which was interesting from a drivetrain perspective that given the abuse i was throwing at it the launches the wide opens the cornering um yeah it, it felt solid like a really well thought out car um I love that the uh, the launch control basically brings up the revs a little bit and at a launch, it's really exciting. It gives you these lights across the dash. Uh, really solid performance for low four second range, zero to 60, which is fine. Um, you know, this car is a really That's, more of a styling piece. That's but, uh, uh, I'm surprised they got so much mileage out of this platform at this point. Whether or not it's good mileage or there's still recouping it's a different discussion maybe but hey yeah i mean that might be it for another day but i think um <laughs> yeah the, the interior is feeling the age i mean getting into this brand new press car it had eight thousand miles on it which is a lot for a media vehicle but it felt like a 15 year old aston martin repeat getting in there on one hand feels luxurious right but it feels like a luxurious or a luxury car from 15 years ago that already has the aged leather and the squeaky mm. dash 
and the, you know the smell of like an old car and you just hear stuff moving around didn't feel tightened down it didn't feel like it was going to age well in all honesty and i know we can't test that statement accurately because we have not had one as a long-termer so karma uh, if you want us to test the longevity of your car please provide us with one for a year we would appreciate it i mean do we know the longevity <laughs> of some of the fiskers before they were I still see them. They're like yeah. holding 40 to 45 grand in the used market. I think they've been coming up in the used market, if anything, recently. And there was a very good one on cars and bids that had like all the service records from new. And it, if it's still up, that'd be a really good one to look at for anyone curious because I think they had like, it must have been 100 pages of stuff. Like it had a lot of stuff done. And I think they lived up a uh, DC area and the car was brought to like Florida every time for service. And I think on the invoice, I remember seeing that karma well, Fisker at the time trailered it up and down every time for them, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Well, there was a transport holding... charge later in the ownership time frame. So kind of like the pole star deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it, you know, Fisker and karma historically, you know, Fisker, uh, you guys know this, but our audience may not. Fisker has now broken off and started his own new car company in partnership with Magnus Steyer, who's going to be building his cars, the ocean and a pickup truck and mm -hmm. something else. And then karma is a Chinese owned company that bought the chassis and the tooling and all these stuff from the Fisker karma. It's now called karma. And then they brought out the Rivero, which has now gone away. And it's now called the GS-6. And then the GSE-6 will be the full battery electric one, which I'm really looking forward to because I think uh, if I was to own one of these long-term, I would only want the full battery electric one. And, um, you know, it's, just, it's such a styling exercise. Having that EV gives you freedom of these maintenance issues. I suspect this three-cylinder will have down the road. We're already seeing I-8s coming back with this issue, that issue, because people are driving them hard with cold engines. So, yeah, I think that could be kind of an interesting thing. But for mm -hmm. me, that's about all the interesting stuff that I've driven. So you, we've gone through what we've been driving, you'll see. But kind of on that level, Kyle, is the Revel, which a lot of people have been intrigued about, seen posts about. I mean, it's been on east coast has been the salt flats has been literally everywhere so how is this well it's been camping i saw it firsthand barely make it up that hill but how's it been since then <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you used it with us maybe you can go over to my twitter and we can pull up some pictures of it along the way um the revel is uh you know for our audience that may not know who don't follow youtube it's a it's a mercedes sprinter 2500 4x4 with a factory lift kit, which is then sent to Winnebago in Forest City, Iowa, where they outfit it with off-roading wheels and tires and a bed and a bathroom and a kitchen. And I'm in it right now. That's what I'm in here. And it's basically like, you know, an RV mini in the back of a Sprinter van and uh, have put 9,000 miles on it in my four weeks of ownership now. So I've been using it a lot. Uh, Jordan, you went camping with us up in the mountains with it. So you know it pretty well and uh, has some really weird drivability at high altitude that seems to be totally fixed at um, yeah, sort of lower, lower elevations, drives fine. Yeah, you'll see it right there in that picture. And great vehicle, really is. Enjoying it. We took it from Colorado down to uh, Los Angeles straight through with the Mach-E. We then went up the coast, up the Route 1, uh, camping, waterside, really beautiful, um, 
up from there, we went to trying to think, went back to Colorado for three hours, put on a trailer, the I three. If you go up a little bit, you'll see it there. And um, we trailered the I three across the country with this. This is our 2016 BMW i3 range extender. My dad's using it for a little while uh, in the New York metro. So we dropped it off at his house in Connecticut. And um, man, this thing towing was was wide open throttle the whole way. <laughs> we were working it hard. And, um, you know, using, using lots of fuel, of course. We maxed it out on the salt flats during this trip. Brought it. Now we're in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it's been... An amazing experience having a house on wheels, not having to find hotels that are dog friendly every single stop. You know, traveling with three big dogs, no hotel will accept you. So this is really our only option to get around the country right now if we want to bring the dogs with us. And we all fit in here just fine. We're all loving it. So, you know, 9,000 miles in, I have a service list about the long as a sheet of paper because I would say the Winnebago build stuff hasn't been amazing. The layout, the thought put into it's really great, though. I just think the material quality should be higher for the you know $196,000 sticker price. Thankfully, we didn't have to pay that. We got a pretty big discount. Um, and you know, I brought it in today to Mercedes to have the oil change. So there you go. In Colorado, they quoted me almost $500 for an oil change, which was insane. Here, it was $200. So still expensive, but a lot better than $500. Have you fixed the- It is um, still a Mercedes carbon fiber issue no so they're still you know stick on carbon fiber throughout the dash and and we'll have to come up with a wrap skin and pay someone to to wrap over that because uh winnebago puts on this stick on carbon fiber over what i assume would be piano black or sort of a black a black plastic and man is it terrible that they do that oh, is, is that around the infotainment screen that i saw yeah, around the infotainment screen, the cup holders, the dash, it's all fake carbon fiber. It's all I look at driving down the road. You'll see it in one of these pictures here. Uh, yeah, so that entire bezel, if you're watching on YouTube, our audience, then, uh, man, is that <laughs> – it's just so unacceptable. It's such an odd choice in what that car is. Yeah, let's throw some tacky <laughs> fake carbon fiber on it. I mean, why would you it ever makes no do sense. that? Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, that, um, I don't get it. Yeah, so so we have a couple videos on this up already. I think three in total. We have our delivery video on out of spec motoring. We have a video up on out of spec reviews, which is like the um, two year owner, or sorry, two week ownership update, which walked through our experience owning the car and all of the, um, you know, what it was like basically taking delivery our issues up to this point, what we've learned about it. That's over an hour long, really in depth, not recommended for anyone unless you're looking to buy a Revel. And if you are looking to buy a Revel, then this is, I hope at least extremely helpful for you um, to, to learn about that. Then we have the salt flats video here where we maxed it out across the salt flats. It did a whopping 89 miles an hour. You watch out That's world. thanks to the carbon fiber, right? Oh yes. Oh, reduction. The carbon fiber. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just been enjoying it. So first service in the books and it called for a two year, 20,000 mile oil change. I said, screw that. Let's do it at 1200 miles. The first service appointment wasn't until the end of September. So about three months after I took delivery. So this was literally the soonest I could bring it to a dealer at 9,000 miles to get the oil changed. Wait, wait, it has a 20,000 mile service interval? It does. Service A oh, wow. is 20,000. It's quite a bit. 
yeah, I, I guess, you know, being a diesel, maybe it can last longer. I don't know. I didn't feel comfortable with it. I didn't feel comfortable going 9,000 miles on break-in oil, especially as this was built in Germany and then all the starts and stops getting it over to Iowa, you know, on a truck, of course, and then just them moving it around the Winnebago factory, starting it up, moving it an inch. They don't have conveyor belts. And so I was like, I just want to get all this oil out from the last seven months of them building this thing. And yeah, this was literally the, the earliest opportunity is insane. Now, if you buy one of these, schedule your service before you take delivery. <laughs> well, I think it's safe to say that you're definitely using it as intended. I mean, that's uh, a lot of miles in a short period of time and coast to coast already. It's pretty awesome, actually. It's no garage queen. I don't know if it could fit in the garage, but it's no garage queen. <laughs> <laughs> it will not fit in the garage. And uh, yeah, see, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And four weeks of ownership it's seen the left coast and the right coast and we've met so many cool people along the way owners enthusiasts people stopping us to learn about this we've taken it to places up in the rocky mountains where these are on every corner all the way to downtown manhattan in times square where people are like what is this monster truck um pretty amazing having this out in some of the most remote places of Colorado and then bringing it literally past Times Square. We have some pictures of it in Manhattan, uh, not posted so you won't find them, but uh, yeah, just, just amazing experience so far. I was going to say you brought it to Boulder with a trailer to pick up some zero motorcycles stuff for me. And you parked it on the side of the street in Boulder and you immediately just disintegrated into the sea of vans. That is Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Every car <laughs> parked on the side of the road is a van. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of service, uh, Ben, you should tell us about your, your tires. Oh yeah. So anyone has any clue what that even means. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like when it comes to life, there are these certain things that are satisfying. Uh, it is, like cutting a freshly made cake or new sheets on a bed or whatever. And I think new tires on a car is one of those things where it's just everything is better. Even things that are unrelated to those tires. Like uh, I think my sound system is better now that I have new tires in the car. You know, it's, it's one of those things when you finally put a new set of tires on a car, you realize how bad the old ones were mostly. Cause I picked the car up and it had, God, I think they're Kumo Acosta PS91s or something on the front, which are, they're not very good for that car. And well, so wait, hold I, on, explain. So it's it's on your 911? Yes, yeah. So 911, how many miles are on it and, and what tires did you put on it? Okay, so we're at, I think we picked it up with 58,000 miles. We're at 61.5 already uh, in a month. So put a good bit of mileage wow. on it. Took it out to the Dragon, took care of the front tires there, what was left of them that had these Kumos on it. <laughs> and uh, today we just put on the Pilot Sport 4Ss, and it is so much better. Uh, it doesn't follow weird grooves in the road. It's smoother. It's The steering's better. Obviously, you have more grip, which in the front of a 911 is you know, kind of at a premium, so you want to have as much as you can so that you can you know, take advantage of the weight in the back. Uh, so it makes a nice difference. Um, it's even quieter. You know, I always forget how great premium michelin tires are until like i stray away from the light and then come back to the light and be like oh that's what good tires are like you know it's just there's no substitute <laughs> oh yeah the pilot super sports i put on my mini back when i owned a mini were like the best upgrade you could make to that car apart from the valve exhaust that was probably even better right your valved exhaust was awesome did you end up doing the full jcw tuning kit or just the exhaust 
It was the full-on tuning kit. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they underrated it too. They said to give it like an extra ten horsepower. It was There's so no much way. <laughs> it was so. I think it was faster than JCW, a factory JCW. Either that or those are undertuned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those the, that thing was a ripper, right? That um, that was pretty awesome. We uh, I had good memories in that car on the dragon. Oh, me too. Uh, remember, we had our friend Ed Camden who had a three twenty eight, mm-hmm. or was it a three thirty? I think it was three twenty. It was a three thirty. No, it was a three thirty. Cause it was the LCI model. Okay. So there you go. And I remember, um, him, either we were following him. I think we were following him in your mini There's yeah, a we video were. years ago on Instagram. And it was so interesting how like perfectly the gearing matched up on the cars. And like, we could see his was a manual yeah, right. and, and the mini was a manual. <laughs> and we just had so much fun. Like kind of, he had a bit more power, but we had more balance. That was a cool, cool experience shredding down the dragon. Yeah, that Beacon was like one of my battle. best times I've ever had at the dragon, to be honest. That was Yeah, really that fun. was and for those who don't know what the dragon is, this is a eleven mile stretch of road, is it? In the western North yep. Carolina mountain uh roads. It's it's eastern Tennessee primarily. And uh yeah, one of the best driving roads on the planet. Really fun, but also the surrounding roads in the area are arguably even better than the dragon oh yeah definitely so ben new tires on the 911 and uh gonna go out shred them or what's your plan gonna make them last or what are you thinking i mean they're uh so the the car came with the factory pirellis in the rear and those kumos in the front so uh because it's a rear wheel drive 911 you tend to get double the mileage on the front tires that you do on the rear so it won't take me too long to get the pirellis worn out in the rear and then have a matching set and the fronts, I'm expecting the last probably 15, 20,000 miles. Whatever, double whatever I'm getting out of the rear, most likely, generally, for oh, drivers. That's awesome. That's but, awesome. Uh, really cool. I mean, then it'll be nice to have a matching set, but there's no. I think the rears are at 5 millimeters, so it didn't make sense to throw away a tire that was pretty much perfectly good. Yeah, so forgive my 911 ignorance and maybe some of our listeners, but is it a square setup, or are the fronts significantly narrower than the rear? Yeah, so it is. It's a very staggered setup. It's two ninety fives or three hundred fives in the rear. You can run either on that wheel, and the fronts are two forty five, um, wow. and twenty inch wheels all around. So it's fairly staggered. Yeah, nice. The front doesn't have much to work with, you know. It's it's a trunk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Well, there is a a new car I wanted to talk about and get some of your guys' input on. Um, because it was big news, still big news. It probably will be for a while because Lotus is saying it may not hit the hands of customers for a while. But they have put out the unveiling of the Amira last week, which is said to be Lotus's last new um, internal combustion engine car. You know, they had the Aviha, which is, or Avaya, which is, you know, big news for their you know, jump into the EV world and it's essentially EV hypercar type thing. Yeah. $2 million starting. Yeah. Yeah. And not very high volume. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So they didn't want to leave their Evora customers behind. And so they no longer have the Evora or the Elise or the Exige or the Esprit or any E names from before. They are now putting everything they can into the final it's almost like their swan song. It's the Amira. And honestly, I, I've been, I told Kyle this, I've, I've had a, you know, I've had a lot of thoughts of like, what is my dream car 
for at least an internal combustion engine. And I've had a lot of thoughts of like maybe a 986 Porsche Boxster Spider or the Alfa Romeo 4C or the Lotus Evora. And then the Lotus comes out and gives me my dream car while on paper. Um, and so this is, I guess, a car I would aspire to, especially given the heritage of Lotus, but also the fact that it is their last internal combustion engine car. And it's interesting because it has two different engine options, obviously neither from Lotus itself, but you can have a supercharged V6 from Toyota or a turbocharged inline four from Mercedes AMG. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's just a very interesting car. It has the, it still has a manual transmission as an option. It has hydraulic steering. I mean, they're giving genuine car enthusiasts what they want as kind of the last call for, I guess, the car enthusiast, raw feeling, connected to the road type of car. So what are your thoughts? I actually kind of really want one of these. Um, I, I, I don't know what the pricing is. What but a surprise. Part of me thinks this is like a great Porsche Cayman type competitor. I, I assume it's priced fairly, sim maybe a little more, but you know. Well, so it's like uh, seventy grand base. Yeah, yeah. That's, and yeah so that's Porsche Cayman money. That's it's a good yeah, about so like hundred. Seventy base, and then it, let's just say a nice one's ninety-five. Just guessing, because yeah. you're going to want With the, the six-cylinder and everything. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that AMG four-cylinder as technically impressive as that is. There's a place for technically impressive cars, and it's not with a Lotus like this. I think. I think you go V6 manual, and that should have been the only trim it came in. I mean, look, I, I appreciate Lotus's partnership with Mercedes with this four-cylinder. I've driven this AMG four-cylinder, really hot motor, loves to rip. But that, to me, plus a DCT, doesn't fit the character of this car. Uh, and, and again, I haven't an driven it. Yeah, I think they just regions. had to do that. Yeah, to, to do you know emissions for, what do they call it, cafe or... Uh, Europe, they have to do whole class emissions, like emissions for your brand. That's how the yeah. Aston Martin came up with that little tiny smart car size thing. That's Another vehicle <laughs> I would also own, just out of yes. pure amusement. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, didn't you send me a Signet today? I yeah, I tagged you in one. <laughs> <laughs> I Never was like, this will be a, a great combo with your smart car. Kind of the opposite in some ways, but you know. <laughs> well, you know, I this think is two interesting. Years ago, they put for... a V8 one around Goodwood. Yes, I remember that. They had the V8 Vantage powered Signet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing uh, that four cylinder is important for the Chinese market because Porsche does a seven and eight uh, Spider version of the Boxster that's got a two liter four cylinder instead of the normal four liter engine that you get with it. So, I, I mean, it seems like a similar, I think two liters is a big deal in, in the Chinese marketplace specifically, too. Yeah, and let's not forget the Lotus is owned by a Chinese company. They're owned by Geely, and uh, they they you know it's Volvo, Polestar, uh, Lincoln Co., the London Taxi Cab Company, whole bunch of other ones that are owned by Geely, Geely, Geely. And um, look, I think that Lotus had to beg to make this car happen. I think you know if you look at what Geely's doing to all of their brands, it's no more development on combustion engines. Volvo's sort of four-cylinder architecture was the last of it. Everything is going fully electric for them. And I think Lotus had to like step in and say, look guys, this is our heritage. We need to, you know, shake up the world, get a car that's, you know, truly a, a value that 
that can capture the everyday person's emotion because it's now attainable or at least uh, you know, sort of in the realm of attainability. When you're talking 60 grand, 70 grand, most people could cut back on, okay, well, I'm going to sell everything I own and stretch into a finance on one of these things. I mean, it's attainable for a lot of people, a lot more, rather than a $2 million electric hypercar yeah. that, you know, it's hard for us to get excited about because it's like, that's never going to happen uh, unless you watch a ton of our YouTube videos. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, look, I think this is the perfect car for the time. Now, if we had the Alpine A110 in the U.S., this would be in that same market. That's a cool car. We don't get that car here. So now we have the different choice from the Porsche. You see Caymans everywhere. Uh, you know, it arguably, whether it drives better or worse, we'll have to wait till we get to drive it. But from an image standpoint, this is sort of the cool choice. I think yeah. you know. There's always point bonus points for the unique British car, no matter what the situation is. You know, it's it's I'm, just that much cooler. Correct. I'm such a sucker for like very unique things you don't see often. So like even if a Cayman is better, I would still pick this because I like having that really weird obscure car. And that's why you I've, got a Miata, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you never I've seen given, those. I've, Ooh, I've given serious. I've given serious thought on like an Elise or I recently drove my friend's Tesla Roadster, which is basically an Elise, just electric powered until he had issues and had to fly mechanics out from Seattle to fix it. So then it was like, okay, that can't be a daily driver for me. Um, but this, yeah, this Lotus has always piqued my attention. I mean, ever since, ever since need for speed two on my windows 98 machine where I could drive the Lotus Esprit, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Um, and this, Amira, I mean, I'm so happy they kept a manual as an option. And I, I can't find photos, but I saw someone post photos of the manual and actually is exposed linkage beneath the center console. Mm -hmm. Kind of kind of oh, reminding me cool. of the Pagani Waira, like having exposed weird elements inside. Um, so it's just like they, they're literally building a car for me. And so I just need to work towards the monetary compensation to get it. And it gives me hope that they're probably not going to be delivering it for a year or two and then maybe i'll get a lightly used one at some point but i i'm excited and it has let's see 12 cubic feet of storage space which is more than double my miata so i mean <laughs> this is much more practical an option than my miata <laughs> i mean it's a looker yeah. it looks amazing when i first saw the photos of this car i couldn't believe that it was actually a lotus to be honest like this thing they're going to sell every one of them i'm glad that they're able to make it yeah, the Avora, the Avora, and the Avaya had a baby, and that was this. Yeah. And I love the Avora GT. I thought that was probably like one of the better looking Lotuses in a long time. Yeah, I think yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, we have a pretty big electric car audience, so they're going to be thinking, you know, where's the hybrid system? Where's the plug-in? And a lot of them don't understand. I keep running into, especially on Twitter, this notion where. You know, electric cars have their place for daily drivers so that we can exactly. save our fuel to burn it on the weekends. I mean, that's the way I look at it. And, um, you know, this is really, I think we're going to see them at every Cars and Coffee. I think this is the only thing that's going to save this car, I think might actually be a positive, is going to be limited availability. I think it's going to be a little bit of the C8 Corvette thing where everyone still wants one, but no one can still get one for and you know under an astronomical price because of dealer markups let's hope that doesn't happen here but um 
man, I think if, if they're on every corner, great card doesn't take away from anything, but I think it will take away a little bit from the flair. I think if there is a sense yeah. of exclusivity with this car, the uh, long-term values will stay strong. And But look, a, a, aside from that, if you're just wanting a car to rip around L.A., New York, Miami, where there's a ton of hot cars, but also potentially some good roads in the area, excluding Miami, uh, this this doesn't get any better, I don't think. But I, I think love this how... is a good car for everyone waiting for, like right now, Caymans, 911s, the, the list for that goes on. But if you look at mid-engine cars, Boxer, Cayman, C8, Corvette, those cars that are all that below 150, you know, let's call it 70 to 150 range, there's a line two years long. People are going to potentially be able to jump into these Lotuses and hopefully they can capitalize and get them to market quick enough to take advantage of that demand. Look uh, at this front end scoop. I just love this, this arrow work and it's so simple and it, but it's interesting and edgy and so many car companies are just so, I don't know. And the dual, the dual boring. LED, because you know, daytime running light LEDs are the new signature of what cars are, especially at night from the front end. And I love the LED daytime LED lights. Yeah, those, they're phenomenal. Um, I love the split five-spoke wheel design. All my friends know I obsess over that specific wheel design. It's like mm-hmm. Lotus literally built this for me, and I love how raw it is. I mean, still having hydraulic steering in 2021 or 2022 when this comes out is crazy i mean they can't have so it's crazy because this has driver assist features which like lotus has never really had but <laughs> it does not have lane centering because it has hydraulic centering steering so it has oh. you know it has radar cruise but only you know speed wise and there's lane departure warning but there is no corrective assistance from the steering interesting so my sprinter yeah. is the same way no no electric power steering so i don't get active lane centering but if i hit a line it grabs the brakes so like if i hit the right line <laughs> it grabs the back left brakes and that pivots the front over it also is like you're slowing down the dogs yeah. are flying forward so i kind of just turn all that off but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean at least that's one way around it but interesting this car you know the fact that it even has adaptive cruise control is amazing and that's where you're seeing that geely influence if lotus was on its own like the old days it would never have that would this car even be possible no they'd probably be out of business yeah, no uh, way. but this car is a transformative vehicle for lotus i hope they're able to make the case that combustion vehicles still have a, a really amazing place right up until the end you know when regulations say no more we're taking your fun away and as much as we all love evs all three of us we all own electric cars except for jordan but he rides a zero motorcycle a lot um you know at the end of the day i i I don't want them taking the combustion engine away from me and i i feel like i'm grasping on more not because i want to hurt the planet not because i want to go out of my way to help big oil whatever that is i just want to have an enjoyable driving experience and this car offers that and i hope we see more from other automakers that say look this is our time to define our combustion legacy. Let's make a car that is attainable for the masses or at least a larger group of people that's going to be fun and just put a smile on your face and stop chasing all these crazy zero to 60 times. Yeah, yeah I think but, we're seeing this. Oh, I ahead. think we're seeing this shift with uh, vehicles where now advertising is done in the headline of zero to 60 top speed, something like that. And it's it's hard to, I understand why it's hard as a manufacturer to say, well, our car is really fun to drive because you can't quantify that sensation. But 
I think Lotus is kind of going down that. Like I didn't see, like I, I saw a couple of interviews with them and they didn't really go, oh, here's how fast it does zero to 60 and, and this and that. They kind of wanted to talk about the sensation more than anything else, which is going to be a stronger and stronger selling point. I think as we move away from, you know, what a classical you know, driving experience was formerly. Yeah, and I think I want to talk a little bit about this refresh model S and X, at least here on our show. Uh, I, I've spoken about it at length on, on the Inside EVs podcast that we do every Friday morning. Um, but before we do that, I want to, let's stay on the same topic of, you know, this sort of like, do you evaluate a car based off of numbers on paper, which is what a lot of people are doing uh, in, in the car forums and car Twitter and Tesla Twitter, especially they go, okay, Tesla model three versus Porsche Taycan. And in many respects, the three is a better car on paper. Uh, but Mike, you bought an Audi e-tron. You already have a Tesla in the garage. No reason to buy another, of course. But that car yes. on paper has almost, you know, very little range, 200 miles, has very little acceleration. Nothing really helps that car excel on paper. But what's it like to drive it on pavement, which is where you normally drive a car? Well, I mean, I just I actually just tweeted about this the other day, um, how I think my e-tron is probably the best commuter car I've ever actually owned. you said e torn, but yeah, way. I, I did say that. Someone <laughs> did point that out very quickly. Thank you, social media. It's my phone's fault, it's not mine. I did type e tron, my phone doesn't like writing that word. But anyway, the e tron, even in my trim, which is the premium, so it's the entry level model, you can say, has the air suspension. And that in this car, which already weighs 7,000 pounds because of the huge battery pack in it just irons out any road. And I know you hear that all the time. It's a cliche, but I've never experienced a car that it's been more true in than my e-tron, to be honest. It is comfortable. It's quiet. I don't have the dual pane glass like the Prestige model does. I don't have the cooled seats or massaging seats. And it's still just as comfortable to get in every day, drive back and forth to my day job. And even we've gone on one road trip down to Charleston and it was fine. Uh, charging range wasn't an issue. Uh, the comfort was fine. The only caveat that I have on, with this car on long road trips is Audi's lane keep and adaptive cruise control are not nearly as good as what I came from, which I had a Volvo and the pilot assist is amazing. Um, I hate Audi's lane keep. It's really jerky, but as a commuter, this e-tron is amazing. And I haven't thought about gas until I get in the Porsche and there is none. And then I fill it up because Ben used <laughs> Ben's it. always leaving it, leaving you with an empty tank. <laughs> That's how I know it's time to use my daily driver model three performance is when the battery in the Porsche runs out. I, no, uh, you have to go tank. somewhere to supercharge it. It's weird. <laughs> and with the Audi, people were also pretty quick to point out that it's very expensive and it's not efficient. And on paper, yes, it was expensive i mean i think it, the window sticker was 72 grand for this car um because it has the black optic convenience pack so it at least it's blacked out has a really good looking front grille and blacked out window trim so i mean it looks a lot better than the standard e-tron you have a picture of it on your twitter that i can pull up uh, i don't know <laughs> i don't you i haven't used that twitter too much all right no but worries I might. well yeah but anyway we'll post it at some point so our audience can see what it looks like yeah, no, I definitely will. I know I have, I have photos. I'm pretty sure there's one of it charging. I think I posted a picture of it charging at an EA station, uh, one or two 
at least. I'll see if I can pull it up, but you can keep going. Um, but I bought this car right around March. So right before the market with the whole microchip got kind of crazy, Audi had some incredible discounts and lease deals on e-trons that month particular. Um, it equated to be about $10,000 off almost before the federal tax credit. And because it's a lease, that goes towards uh, the down payment, basically, on the car. And the deal was almost too good to pass up um, for what I'm paying for this car. It, it was way less expensive than my used uh, Volvo V90 that I own, which I miss dearly now that they don't make it anymore. Yep, there it is. So the black optic pack gives it that really, really nice looking grill and that uh, roof rail. And, and the, the window, trim? window trim. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it adds a look that looks, uh, I think it looks great. And those, uh, I actually like those 20 inch wheels a lot. I can't, I don't like them. <laughs> I know you don't. You <laughs> like the prestige ones. I get it. You got to get a prestige. But the one thing I found really interesting about your interior, first of all, is you don't keep it in the classic gauges, according to this photo. You keep no, it in the I usually modern. keep it in the, yeah, the e-tron gauge. I think so. That's called interesting because that hurts my brain. Also, the little <laughs> screen <laughs> down at the bottom, not a little screen, but your mm -hmm. uh, two things, how you control your temperature get controls in this car is the second lower screen. The e-tron GT, which is Audi's top of the line halo electric performance car, doesn't even have that screen. That has hard touch mm -hmm. buttons. Uh, which I thought was interesting because the Tycon has that screen, but I guess yep. for whatever reason they chose hard buttons. And then also the lower level buttons, your drive select, traction control, those are physical touch buttons and not haptic buttons like earlier e-trons, or maybe it was a prestige trim thing. What's that all about? So it's funny you mentioned that. I had no idea that there was two different buttons. Yeah, see right there where it says drive select and traction control. Those are hard buttons in my e-tron. But you're right, it's a prestige trim, at least, because I had to bring this car in for one service item, and they actually gave me a prestige loaner. I was like, thanks, guys, for giving me a better yeah. car than what Keep I own. my car awesome. for as long as you yeah. want. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, but those bottom buttons were piano black haptic. They weren't physical buttons, and I don't understand what the difference is. I'm assuming it's just because it's you think of more luxury to have a haptic button than a physical button. I actually um, didn't prefer, I actually prefer I the physical buttons uh, big time. I think they should all e-tron should have the physical button <laughs> at the bottom. Totally especially agree. For the drive those, those haptic buttons are at a weird angle to get your finger on and they always get super fingerprinty. I thought this was an upgrade. I was like, Oh, for 2021 <laughs> or whatever, they fixed the e-tron. It's no, you just got to get the base one. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I still think the base one. Nothing wrong with the base one. The lease deals that they had, I mean, you hit that so right at the time. Um, this is definitely a cool car. And used market's been creeping up. You used to be able to buy yep. used prestiges for forty nine to fifty one grand. Now they're fifty seven to sixty one thousand dollars for that same car. Just a huge yep. increase uh, in the Audi e-tron used market being pulled up. And I think a lot of it has to do, of course, with the market uh, used car market inflating, but also more awareness as to how good the e-tron truly is, where I don't think an EV necessarily needs to excel or beat its counterparts on paper these days. Uh, it just needs to drive better. And I think the Mustang Mach-E is actually a perfect example of this, where 
big range, 300 mile EPA. But when you start to spend time with the Maki, even though it says 150 kilowatt charging, and in fact, in reality, it shows 167 kilowatt peak charging in our testing, um, it only holds that for a short period of time. Whereas the e-tron has that same advertised peak charging rate, but can charge all the way to 80%. So a lot of it is more than just the numbers on paper, I think. And, um, I have to say pretty disappointed with the folks who don't understand how there's more to a car than just a, you know, zero to 60 time that's plastered. But speaking of Jordan, you want to tell us a little bit about what's been going on in this crazy electric car, fast acceleration world. Well, I wanted to mention the, the Mustang Mach-E you had, I had for a while as well. And that was an interesting circle back to the whole numbers on paper because the Mustang Mach-E Route 1 is tied for the slowest Mustang in over 10 years, as far as 0 to 60 times. <laughs> is that and true, really? Yeah. It's, 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 the Mustang has not been this slow since 2011. Um, I think and that was it like a V6 X? automatic? Yeah. So my oh, yeah. V6 automatic. Well, my wife's going <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> so, yes. Um, and it's... You could, uh, I guess it's also tied with some of the early EcoBoost of the new gen convertible ones. For some reason, those are a bit slower. Um, yeah. But okay. yeah, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's an interesting Mustang. But you you mentioned, you know, because I, you know, we went out to get pizza that one day, and I was like talking to you about how awesome the one pedal driving was, and you're like, really, this is terrible one pedal driving. And it's because it was the only time I ever experienced it. And then I drove your Model 3 the other day with time in, and I was like, oh, this is how one-pedal driving should feel like. <laughs> Calibrated. <laughs> Must feel super, like, yeah, weird. Um, but, yeah, it's just like, I mean, the whole reason the Miata is such a big enthusiasm community is because, like, on paper, you know, speed-wise and everything, it's terrible. But it's all about the handling and how it does and the curves. And because, you know, the Infinity Q60 is faster than the 60, but I would never in my life pick that over a Miata. It's faster um, to go back to the press fleet than any car we've ever had. We said, thank you very much. See you later. <laughs> yes, somehow we maybe crossed our mileage limit on that. Yeah, but they keep funny. giving us more infinities. I don't understand. <laughs> We we never say nice no things, else, and they're like, no one else take another them. infinity. No, I guess yeah, all maybe, maybe, maybe other people, infinity other people refuse them. <laughs> hey, I don't think they just care. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Look, I mean, I think the QX55 is going to be our most positive infinity review. I actually think Nissan is surpassing infinity in their infotainment and feeling, and, and that's sort of a circle okay. back to the beginning issue. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. Can we talk Model S Plaid and Model X Plaid, or just the general refresh? Because, yes. um, Jordan, give us a general background, and then I got a couple questions for our, our friends over here. Yeah, Plaid is here. Um, Plaid Plus mysteriously disappeared, but it's because it wasn't important, according to Elon. Um, Plaid is here, and talk about interior. I love this. Although the steering wheel, like how everyone talks about, I'd have to experience it to give my actual thoughts. I think it looks great for someone who cares a lot about visual aesthetics. I love it. But for someone who also cares about driving dynamics, I might hate it. I don't know, but I love the front and the, also the rear screen. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I love the refresh. I think the landscape screen is awesome. I mean, when model three came out, 
I ended up liking that a lot more. But I also like having a screen in front of you as a driver. So that's my only like beef with the Model 3. It's fine. It, it works just fine. But I like the S and the new X having this interesting, I guess, three displays. Um, Model S and X have adapted that kind of mysterious air vent system that the 3 and the Y have where you don't really know where the air is coming from. Um, and yeah, portrait-oriented screens, slightly different color interior choices, very minor like refreshes on the outside. I, I mean, like those probably... wheels on the, the new 22s look pretty neat. Yeah, and I, I, I love the... Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the, the way the Model Y new aero wheels kind of are with the different material in them. Um, but yep, I every Tesla wheel almost now. Yeah. And I, I like the slight refresh on the front end, mostly noticeable in the model S. Um, but I don't, it's, it's fascinating how the model S was unveiled in 2009 and it still looks good. At least to me, some people hate it. I would agree. It. I think, but so. I think objectively, as far as design goes, it has aged very well, especially when they deleted the nose cone. Um, but even then, it's just a good, safe car. I mean, it hasn't gone crazy wild like, say, Canoe, for example. They've just, or Cybertruck, for example, they've just, the Model S was a very safe design. And I really like the X2. I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I'm kind of glad they didn't completely overhaul these cars. It's like, don't fix it if it ain't broke. And they've just done very minor modifications to see what people think. What do you guys think? Uh, oddly enough, don't fix it if it ain't broke. Seemed to be Tesla's approach to warranty on my Model X that I owned. <laughs> <laughs> Except it was broken most of the time. Well, actually, that's a good point. Let's bring up our Tesla ownership history. Ben, you okay, have owned yeah. three Teslas. Three in yeah. my name, um, Michael and, dad, had, and my father, yeah. And Mike had so one. We, we've yeah, had like five at least at this point as a as a household, a greater yeah, household, and, family household, however you want to consider it. Yeah, and, and same here. <laughs> so. Yeah, and look, like this is my Tesla app, right? Like all of my friends have them. <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, it's we are not Tesla haters here. Um, no. And that's the thing. It's like. You know, and I think let's just level really quick. It's our first show. Yeah. We love Tesla. You know, Jordan's brother works for them. I, ben and I used to work for them. We are Tesla enthusiasts. You know, we have cars in the apps. But as soon as we start talking nicely about anything, uh, or we, I do a review of a Honda Accord, all of a sudden now we're Tesla Q. And I'm like, guys, we've probably spent more money with Tesla than you ever have. Uh, and yeah. it, like, maybe, but like at the end of the day, just because we like combustion cars and we love Tycon and we love e-tron and we love ID4 and we love Mach-E and all these other EVs, it doesn't mean we don't like Tesla. So no, definitely. Um, that, that's I, I just so annoying. I think that's one of the things that I, I get really tired of hearing is I might say something positive about another EV or something I just criticize Tesla with because, you know, no one's perfect. And uh, someone who's got jet, like leasing a standard range Model 3 or something will we'll just want to argue that it is the best car on the planet. And, you know, you don't know enough about Tesla. You just you're hating on them or whatever. I'm like. I had a 2016 Model X. I don't think you get much more early adopter than that car. <laughs> like, Your doors like, were falling yeah. off. Yep. It was so bad. 
It was such a, I mean, it was a cool car. I loved it. I would own another one. Um, and that shows that it's not like, I definitely don't dislike them, but I think it's, you know, one of those things that EV adoption needs to get over a little bit is it's almost like as if everyone who was switching to a smartphone was hearing from people who had iPhones that, oh, you're looking at an Android phone. You shouldn't have it. They're terrible. iPhone's the only option. Otherwise you might as well walk or, you know, send a letter and, Really, what this means is we need to have everyone adopting whatever EV it is. It doesn't matter what brand. Like, it's all positive at the end. And, you know, there wasn't one best gasoline-powered car. You know, if it's, you know, someone might make the argument, but it's not like the BMW M3 was the end-all, be-all of, of gas-powered cars or something, and that if you considered anything else, you're dumb for doing so. I mean, there are different reasons and different things that people put weight towards to, you know, make a decision as to what's right for them. And I think sometimes in the Tesla camp, it's really hard for people to separate what my or their preferences are in a car versus what someone else's might be, like comfort and space. You know, you look at the ID4, it's a great product and uh, people love that car who have it. Yeah, totally agree, 100%. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll you know, sort of let's just, because we're hitting the end of our time here. Can we talk about this insane acceleration of Plaid? You know, for, oh, let's yeah, forget about this whole 1.9 second, whatever they claimed with rollout and VHD, that's garbage. Um, let's just all agree that rollout is garbage across yep, the entire agree. board. Uh, this should just go away as a testing standard. Um, you know, it's zero to 60 for a reason. That's my opinion. Um, I don't know if you all agree. It doesn't matter. It's now the, it's now the official opinion of out of spec. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, ben, what is 0.5 to 60. It's zero to Right. Yeah. Well, didn't Jason Fenske calculate it out as like six miles an hour to 60 in the plaid because it does so much acceleration in that in first that one. foot? Yeah, I think it was something up there. I uh, I think the most impressive part about it is I've seen a few exterior acceleration videos of plaid now, and it's not the zero to 60. It's that like maybe it's 45 miles an hour where I think it just picks up and gets about full power, maybe 50. It's let's call it 45. It's not 45. It's so like 120. That is the cool part, I think, of plaid. Uh, you can't oh, do that on the road safely, uh, but everyone's doing it anyway. So what are you going to do? Today, I think it was Brooks from Drag Times put up a video. Love Brooks, good friend, awesome yep. guy. Took a, today. yep Model S Plaid to the drag strip. The way this thing goes from eighty to one hundred and forty is ridiculous. Now, I I owned a P one hundred D back when Ben and I lived together, so we used mm -hmm. that car all the time. Uh, ben, remember that car? We would do silly things where, like, we I, I was just next to, to each say, other. Yeah, okay, you, sure. You have the best, uh, the most impressive thing you can do to an outside bystander if you're in a like Model Three, Model S performance, ludicrous plaid, whatever, is make eye contact with someone, especially if they're sitting in a car next to you, because you're like heads are level. You look over when you make eye contact, you would just floor it. Uh, out of nowhere, and your head would not just very disappear. <laughs> yeah, no, not safe. You should always look ahead when you're accelerating that quickly. But you could do that, make eye contact, and then just be this blur at, to the other person as it would just disappear. And it, because it's not something I think the average person is ever going to be used to seeing that kind of lateral movement in their vision. You know, it's almost I mean, it's uh, like almost a, like it's just gone. It's like an optical. Yeah, illusion. it was just like it, it, one camera frame would be enough for you to be gone. <laughs> so, I mean, the first time uh, you did know, it, I just remember we both like 
shocked by what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, well, you were standing on the side of the road, and I think I was just looking at you, and we were both, like, we were just died of laughter. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is the benefit of Tesla. You know, like, it is kind of a one-trick pony in the sense that this is the highlight of the car, but there's so many other things this car does really well. But this three motor seemed to have great thermal management for this run. Mike, you mm -hmm. saw in the video today, yep. 100 degrees outside. They did, what, 10 runs? It's so yeah, consistent. Yeah, really impressive, honestly. And, you know, forget this whole 1.99 thing. Low two-second range on a prep surface. That's amazing. 2.01 from 0 to 60. And, you know, with rollout, easy 1.99. They've, so, they've come a long way. So someone at my day job has a 2013 or 2012 Anza Brown, or Anza Brown, oh, yes. Model S 40. They oh, have no, 40. Yeah. They Still have a 40. 40. Does so, not supercharge. They yeah. should have unlocked that while it was only two grand to unlock into a sixty. But now you can Wait, we have to do a video with this car. You uh, actually, yeah. Next, next time I see it, next time I see it, I'm going to leave a note because I want to get my hands on it. Zero to sixty in six point five seconds is what it was claimed back then. Which wow. is, I mean, if you say Tesla and six point five seconds in the same sentence now, I mean, <laughs> you're like, oh, is that zero to one hundred and eighty? Or <laughs> I think my e-tron's faster than that. <laughs> oh, there we go. Mike's e-tron's faster than a Tesla. <laughs> See, just get that back it's to faster all the than a Model X sixty D as well. That's right. Free that was the slowest. Well, even yeah, my dad had my, one. My uh, Model S P eighty five plus. I think was only four seconds, zero to 60. That was the fastest Tesla two, they right? made in 2013. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you and remember was... how garbage your motor was on that car? Oh, it was, the sound was so bad. You could hear my car coming from a mile away, but according to Tesla, that's normal. So it's right. It was fine. In spec. <laughs> Don't the fix it. The is truly broke. Didn't they say oh, it was man. like two decibels too quiet? Like some. Yeah. Was it was like just yeah, yeah. under. Any other company would be like, all right, well, fix it under warranty. <laughs> God, that I was just obviously degrade to the point very quickly. Like it's in the process of failing, but it hasn't failed enough. Yeah. And it's a race of failure versus warranty expiration. <laughs> My neighbor has the same issue on his Model S 85, white, slick oh, really? top, old school, very early car. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, drive the crap out of it. Literally floor it. So I hear little peel marks all the time now in the neighborhood. <laughs> I think it's he makes a point to before. get them to do it. Yeah, yeah, for real. You got to have the, the motors arc and burn the bearings out. But back to Plaid, really crazy yep. acceleration. Um, actually, I think the dual motor is the real story here uh, because the Plaid's cool with that acceleration. Stupid fast with the dual motor. More than enough acceleration for what you need. You get all the new interior. You get the silly yoke steering wheel, which... I haven't experienced yet. I feel like I'm the last one to drive this thing, but I, I think it's silly. But on the other hand, you could always put a circular wheel on there. What do you guys think? But I basically, I think the dual motor is the yeah. one to get. I have a simple I, thought on this because I've driven a car. A yoke might be generous, but there's someone local to us who has an M2, uh, BMW M2 competition, and they have a steering wheel that they've cut the top off of and oh it's all God. upholstered. So it's basically a yoke. That. And I've driven it. And I couldn't see what benefit it added. And it at least had, you know, the bottom half was still circular. So you had more to grab onto. And under normal driving, I don't think yokes would be a problem. But it's when you make these tight maneuvers because the steering ratio in plaid is unchanged. 
and you just, you, people are just grasping for and sure, maybe you get used to it. But I think the question that needs to be asked is, what benefit do you gain from the yoke to make up for the learning curve or the differences or the challenges that come with it? Because as far as I can tell, you can see the screen a little bit better and maybe the air vent works slightly better, but that's never been a problem in cars in the last 45 years. And so I kind of want to know to what end am I gaining something? And I don't see, I don't see an upside necessarily as the issue. I mean, it looks really cool. Yeah, that's what it feels like, Got unfortunately. It. You have it, and the whole you time know. you're turning, you're complaining in your head, but you're also telling yourself, don't <laughs> worry, I look cool. Yeah, yeah. you're telling all yeah, your yeah, friends, exactly. Tesla's the this best is, thing ever. Cool. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad the people who have it seem to be enjoying it and liking it, but I do think they're limiting the scope of availability of that car to people. I think there are people who are not going to buy it because of that. Um, you know, I, I've heard people make the joke. Um, I work for Porsche, so, you know, Taycan comes a lot. People compare the two. And, uh, you know, I've said, oh, wow, for that price, I get a whole steering wheel. And like, it's a joke consumers are making now. Like people who aren't really in tune with the market are making that joke now. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of like everyone's heard of it now, for sure. It's a dead horse, but it's interesting still to think about. Well, um, sort of nearing the end of the show, are there any highlights that we should touch on before we wrap this thing up? I've got a question for the viewer. Because I know we're not going to have more than one at this point, so just the viewer, whoever you are, if you haven't fallen asleep all the way to the end, right? Yeah, <laughs> good work. Congratulations. Uh, this could be a running thing. I want to have. I'm going to set a bouncy for some out of spec gear, shirt, whatever it is. Uh, okay. I want to know if someone else has a fleet of vehicles that has is as diverse as ours with front trucks. So we have the 911, the Model Three, and the e-tron. All three of those vehicles are from different manufacturers and they all three have a front trunk. And so I want to know who else out there has like multiple brands, multiple vehicles, all front trunks. You can have a rear trunk too, that's fine. But I think that would be an interesting vehicle lineup to see more of. Totally agree, love the yeah. idea. And uh, Jordan, why don't you finish us off then? Yeah, thanks for joining on our podcast. Um, be sure to check out our auto spec reviews channel where we're doing a lot of reviews and all sorts of fun things uh, you know efficiency tests and everything like that both evs and gas vehicles um and we have some written things as well i was out in california recently doing the zero fxe ride so that was a lot of fun um written things on that and the ford lightning and um, lots of other cars we get our hands on and check out all of our twitters as we said the handles earlier and um Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time on the next podcast. Thanks. Yep. See you guys. Bye-bye. See you guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.